0: Chapter 9 of Esther Reed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Esther Reed by Pansy. Chapter 9 Cousin Abby. Now I have you all to myself, that young lady said, with a happy smile, as she turned the key on the retreating Maggie and wheeled an ottoman to Esther's side where shall we commence? I have so very much to say and hear. I want to know all about Aunt Laura and Sadie and the twins. Oh, Esther, you have a little brother. Aren't you so glad he is a little boy? Why, I don't know, Esther said hesitatingly, then more decidedly. No, I'm always thinking how glad I should be if he were a young man, old enough to go out with me and be company for me. I know that is pleasant, but there are very serious drawbacks. Now, there's our Ralph. It is very pleasant to have him for company. And yet, well, Esther, he isn't a Christian, and it seems all the time to me that he is walking on quicksands. I'm in one continual tremble for him, and I wish so often that he was just a little boy, no bigger than your brother Alfred. Then I could learn his tastes, and indeed mold them in a measure by having him with me a great deal. AND IT DOES SEEM TO ME THAT I COULD MAKE RELIGION APPEAR SUCH A PLEASANT THING TO HIM THAT HE COULDN'T HELP SEEKING JESUS FOR HIMSELF. DON'T YOU ENJOY TEACHING ALFRED? POOR PUZZLED Esther, WITH WHAT A MATTER OF COURSE AIR HER COUSIN ASKED THIS QUESTION. COULD SHE POSSIBLY TELL HER THAT SHE SOMETIMES NEVER GAVE ALFRED A THOUGHT FROM ONE WEEK'S END TO ANOTHER, AND THAT SHE NEVER IN HER LIFE THOUGHT OF TEACHING HIM A SINGLE THING? "'I am not his teacher,' she said at length. "'I have no time for any such thing. "'He goes to school, you know, and mother helps him.' "'Well,' said Abby, with a thoughtful air, "'I don't quite mean teaching, either, "'at least not lessons and things of that sort, "'though I think I should enjoy having him depend on me in all his needs. "'But I was thinking more especially of winning him to Jesus. "'It seems so much easier to do it while one is young.' Perhaps he is a Christian now, is he? Esther merely shook her head in answer. She could not look in those earnest blue eyes and say that she had never, by word or act, asked him to come to Jesus. Well, that is what I mean. You have so much more chance than I, it seems to me. Oh, my heart is so heavy for Ralph. I am all alone. Esther, do you know that neither my mother nor my father are Christians? And our home influences, well, is not what a young man needs. He is very gay, they call it. There are his friends here in the city and his friends in college, none of them the style of people that I like him to be with, and only poor little me to stem the tide of worldliness all around him. There is one thing in particular that troubles me. He is, or rather he is not, And here poor Abby stopped, and a little silence followed. After a moment she spoke again. Oh, Esther, you will learn what I mean without my telling you. It is something in which I greatly need your help. I depend on you. I have looked forward to your coming, on his account as well as on my own. I know it will be better for him. Esther longed to ask what the something was, and what was expected of her but the pained look on Abby's face deterred her, and she contented herself by saying, "'Where is he now?' "'In college, coming next week. I long, on his account, to have a home of my own. I believe I can show him a style of life which will appear better to him than the one he is leading now.' This led to a long talk on the coming wedding. "'Mother is very much disturbed that it should occur in August,' Abby said. "'and, of course, it is not as pleasant as it would be later. "'But the trouble is, Mr. Foster is obliged to go abroad in September. "'Who is Mr. Foster? Can't you be married if he isn't here?' "'Not very well,' Abby said, with a bright little laugh. "'You see, he is the one who has asked me to marry him.' "'Why, is he?' and Esther laughed at her former question. "'Then, as a sudden thought occurred to her, she asked, "'Is he a minister?' oh dear no he is only a merchant is he a a christian was her next query and so utterly unused was she to conversation on this subject that she actually stammered over the simple sentence such a bright earnest face as was turned toward her at this question esther abby said quickly i couldn't marry a man who was not a christian why esther asked startled a little at the energy of her tone do you think it is wrong? Perhaps not for everyone. I think one's own carefully enlightened conscience should prayerfully decide the question. But it would be wrong for me. I am too weak. It would hinder my own growth in grace. I feel that I need all the human helps I can get. Yes, Mr. Foster is an earnest Christian. Do you suppose, said Esther, growing metaphysical, That if mr foster were not a christian you would marry him a little shiver quivered through abby's frame as she answered i hope i should have strength to do what i thought right and i believe i should yes you think so now persisted esther because there is no danger of any such trial but i tell you i don't believe if you were brought to the test that you would do any such thing abby's tone in reply was very humble Perhaps not, I might miserably fail, and yet, Esther, he has said, My grace is sufficient for thee. Then, after a little silence, the bright look returned to her face, as she added, I am very glad I am not to be tried in that furnace. And do you know, Esther, I never believed in making myself a martyr to what might have been, or what might may be, in the future. Sufficient unto the day is my motto." If it should ever be my duty to burn at the stake, I believe I should go to my Saviour and plead for the sufficient grace. But as long as I have no such known trial before me, I don't know why I should be asking for what I do not need, or grow unhappy over improbabilities, though I do pray every day to be prepared for whatever the future has for me. Then the talk drifted back again to the various details connected with the wedding, "'till suddenly Abby came to her feet with a spring. "'Why, Esther!' she exclaimed penitently. "'What a thoughtless wretch I am! "'Here have I been chattering you fairly into midnight "'without a thought of your tired body and brain. "'This session must adjourn immediately. "'Shall you and I have prayers together to-night? "'Will it seem homelike to you? "'Can you play I am Sadie for just a little while?' "'I should like it,' Esther answered faintly. "'Shall I read as you are so weary?' And without waiting for a reply, she unclasped the lids of her little Bible. "'Are you reading the Bible by course? Where do you like best to read, for devotional reading, I mean?' "'I don't know that I have any choice,' Esther's voice was fainter still. "'Haven't you? I have my special verses that I turn to in my various needs. Where are you and Sadie reading?' "'Nowhere,' said Esther desperately.' Abby's face expressed only innocent surprise. "'Don't you read together? You are roommates, aren't you? "'Now I always thought it would be so delightful to have a nice little time, "'like family worship, in one's own room. "'Sadie doesn't care anything about these things. "'She isn't a Christian,' Esther said at length. "'Oh, dear, isn't she?' "'What a very sad and troubled tone it was in which Abby spoke. "'Then you know something about my anxiety.' and yet it is different. She is younger than you, and you can have her so much under your influence. At least it seems different to me. How prone we are to consider our own anxieties particularly trying. Esther never remembered giving a half hour's anxious thought to this, which was supposed to be an anxiety with her in all her life. But she did not say so, and Abby continued, Who is your particular Christian friend, then? What an exceedingly trying and troublesome talk this was to Esther. What was she to say? Clearly nothing but the truth. Abby, I haven't a friend in the world. You poor dear child! Then we are situated very much alike after all, though I have dear friends outside of my own family. But what a heavy responsibility you must feel in your large household, and you the only Christian. Do you shrink from responsibility of that kind, Esther? Does it seem sometimes as if it would almost rush you? Oh, there are some Christians in the family, Esther answered, preferring to avoid the last part of the sentence. But then, they are halfway Christians, perhaps. I understand how that is. It really seems sadder to me than even thoughtless neglect. Be it recorded that Esther's conscience pricked her, This supposition on Abby's part was not true. Dr. Van Anden, for instance, always had seemed to her most horribly and fanatically in earnest. But in what rank should she place this young and beautiful and wealthy city lady? Surely she could not be a fanatic. Esther was troubled. "'Well,' said Abby, "'suppose I read you some of my sweet verses. "'Do you know I always feel a temptation to read in John?' There is so much in that book about Jesus, and John seemed to love him so. Esther almost laughed. What an exceedingly queer idea, a temptation to read in any part of the Bible. What a strange girl her cousin was. Now the reading began. This is my verse when I am discouraged. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isn't that reassuring? And then these two, oh Esther, these are wonderful. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth in singing, ye mountains. O forest, and every tree therein, For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. And in that glorious old prophet's book is my jubilant verse. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, Esther, you are very tired, aren't you? and I keep dipping into my treasure like a thoughtless, selfish girl as I am. You and I will have some precious readings out of this book, shall we not? Now I'll read you my sweet good-night psalm. Don't you think the psalms are wonderful, Esther? And without waiting for reply, the low-toned, musical voice spread on through that marvel of simplicity and grandeur, the 121st Psalm. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul the lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even for evermore. esther will you pray questioned her cousin as the reading ceased and she softly closed her tiny book esther gave her head a nervous hurried shake then shall i oh dear esther would you prefer to be alone no said esther i should like to hear you And so they knelt, and Abby's simple, earnest, tender prayer, Esther carried with her for many a day. After both heads were resting on their pillows, and quiet reigned in the room, Esther's eyes were wide open. Her cousin Abby had astonished her. She was totally unlike the cousin Abby of her dreams in every particular, in nothing more so than the strangely childlike matter-of-course way in which she talked about this matter of religion. Esther had never in her life heard any one talk like that, except, perhaps, that minister who had spoken to her in the depot. His religion seemed not unlike Abby's. Thinking of him, she suddenly addressed Abby again. There was a minister in the depot today, and he spoke to me. Then the entire story of the man with his tract, and the girl with blue ribbons, and the old lady, and the young minister and bits of the conversation, were gone over for Abby's benefit. And Abby listened and commented and enjoyed every word of it, until the little clock on the mantel spoke in silver tones and said, One, two. Then Abby grew penitent again. Positively, Esther, I won't speak again. You will be sleepy all day to-morrow, and you needn't think I shall give you a chance even to wink. Good night. "'Good-night,' repeated Esther, but she still kept her eyes wide open. Her journey, and her arrival, and Abby, and the newness and strangeness of everything around her, had banished all thought of sleep. So she went over in detail everything which had occurred that day, but persistently her thoughts returned to the question which had so startled her, coming from the lips of a stranger, and to the singleness of heart which seemed to possess her cousin Abby.' Was she a fellow pilgrim, after all? she queried. If so, what caused the difference between Abby and herself? It was but a few hours since she first beheld her cousin, and yet she distinctly felt the difference between them in that matter. We are as unlike, thought Esther, turning restlessly on her pillow, well, as unlike as two people can be. What would Abby say could she know that it was actually months since Esther had read as much connectedly in her Bible as she had heard read that evening? Yes, Esther had gone backward, even as far as that. Farther. What would Abby say to the fact that there were many, many prayerless days in her life? Not very many, perhaps, in which she had not used a form of prayer, but their names were legion in which she had risen from her knees unhelped and unrefreshed, in which she knew that she had not prayed a single one of the sentences which she had been repeating. And just at this point she was stunned with a sudden thought, a thought which too often escapes us all. She could not for the world, it seemed to her, have made known to Abby just how matters stood with her, and yet, and yet, Christ knew it all she lay very still and breathed heavily it came to her with all the thrill of an entirely new idea then that unwearied and ever watchful satan came to her aid oh well said he your cousin abby's surroundings are very different from yours give you all the time which she has at her disposal and i dare say you would be quite as familiar with your bible as she is with hers What does she know about the petty vexations and temptations, and bewildering, ever-pressing duties which every hour of every day beset your path? The circumstances are very different. Her life is in the sunshine, yours in the shadow. Besides, you do not know her. It is easy enough to talk, very easy to read a chapter in the Bible. But after all, there are other things quite as important and it is more than likely that your cousin is not quite perfect yet. Esther did not know that this was the soothing lullaby of that old serpent. Well for her if she had, and had answered it with that solemn, all-powerful, Get thee behind me, Satan! But she gave her own poor brain the benefit of every thought, and having thus lulled and padded and coaxed her half-roused and startled conscience into quiet rest again, she turned on her pillow and went to sleep end of chapter 9 recording by trisha g